New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Mark Van Honecker, author of Imagine a City, a Pilot's Journey Across the Urban World. And I'm speaking with Mark at his home by remote connection. Mark, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Oh, thank you, Justine. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you so much. It's my honor as well. Mark, your ability to have a childlike wonder about the world is infectious. It seems like a pilot might be saying to him or herself, oh, another city, been here, done that. So what motivates you to stay in wonder and awe as you travel the world? Well, one of the best ways to keep that sense of wonder alive is to write about it. I like writing. I like the process of writing and and editing and trying to choose my words as well as I can. But I also find it's a really useful way to stay engaged and to keep my eyes open. If you walk around a city thinking, you know, what is it about this place that I find so amazing? Like, what does it smell like? What does it look like? You know, what is my favorite place to go in this city? Uh, I find that the idea that you might write about it or that you might just tell someone about it when you get home is a way of keeping uh, that wonder alive. I also came to flying a little later than, uh, than some people. I was in my late 20s when I started flying commercially. And because I, I came to it a little bit later, I, I think I kind of find it easy to remember how astonished my 14-year-old self would be by what I get to do for work. I sometimes like to think about what I would tell my younger self. And of course, when I was a kid, I went up into the cockpit of planes in flight that was allowed back then. Um, and I got to see that panoramic view, cloudscape, or of a city approaching in the distance. And, and when I write about things now, I'm conscious of the fact that I had experiences that kids won't have now, but maybe I can share a little bit of that through my writing. I recall that there was a moment you were not a pilot yet, and you got to go into the cockpit for a half an hour. It was a flight from Istanbul to London, and that flight changed your life. You made your decision to become a pilot. Yeah, we were actually flying over Istanbul between Abu Dhabi and London, and and I went up to the cockpit, as you were allowed to do back then, and and I remember the co-pilot was quite young. Uh, he was maybe even not much older than I was then. I think maybe I was 24 or something at the time. And, you know, we looked down at Istanbul, which is, of course, this, you know, fantastically ancient city, but also now one of the largest cities in the world. And, uh, you know, the, the possibility of going there or of seeing more cities like it from above was so amazing to me. And and this pilot said to me, oh, you should go for it. It's a great job. And, and uh, you know, then I landed in London and, and got on a bus to go back to Cambridge. And while I was on that bus, I thought, you know, I should go for it. You only live once as far as we know. So, you know, go for it and see how it goes. And I didn't do it immediately. I, I had another job after that to try to save money for flying. But that's a point I can identify as, as a turning point in my life. In your writing, it's so wonderful. There's a moment, I think you're in Kuwait, and you walk out, and it's midday, and 
it's so hot, you gasp, and then you compare it to walking outside in your hometown of Pittsfield, Western Massachusetts, in the middle of the winter, and having that same gasp, except it's cold air. I love that, that you bring the two together there. In Imagine a City, I'm talking a lot about my hometown of Pittsfield and and how it's often on my mind when I'm in places that are very far from it or very different from it. And, you know, the the heat of Kuwait couldn't contrast better with the coldness of a, of a Western Massachusetts winter. And yet those places uh, have some things in common. I mean, they have me in common, for one. Uh, <laughs> and... And that sense that when we travel, we connect places across the globe and, and from our pasts to the present and, and how we're kind of remembering our hometown, even when we're far from it, is at the heart of the kind of experiences uh, that I wanted to capture in Imagine a City. In your book, Imagine a City, you have organized it around different topics like city of gates or city of circles and cities of rivers and one of them is cities of signs and there's this one that had just beautiful writing about being outside of LA near the desert and you're in this small town Keeler which is almost a ghost town and you're writing about signs and you say also flying above so much of the world I've grown accustomed to seeing highways, waterways, and railways crossing deserts or cultivated lands on their way to the often ancient city from which they radiate. So here you are, you're actually on the ground getting out of a a rented car, and I'd love for you to share a reading about encountering these signs. Sure. So in this reading, I, I've left uh, Keeler, that small town uh, on the east side of the Owens Valley, and I'm, I'm stopping at a sign for Los Angeles. I think signs are just these amazing things. I mean, they are nothing in themselves, and yet they stand for whatever they indicate. And I think signs are also something we might think about in a more poetic sense now, because, of course, with Google Maps or sat-navs, we, we don't really need signs as much. So I, I hope they don't fall out of fashion. The, the poetry of them, I think, is something we might consider more directly. I pull over before the first sign for Los Angeles, turn off the engine, and remove the key in order to stop the music. In the sudden quiet, I look north to where patches of fog rest on the dusty lake bed, and then south, along the road that follows the mountains. Flying above so much of the world, I've grown accustomed to seeing highways, waterways, and railways crossing deserts or cultivated lands on their way to the often ancient cities from which they radiate. The car's engine starts to click as it cools. When I left the little house in Keeler, the temperature was 28 degrees, according to the rental car's digital display. Here in Elantia, around 15 miles across the valley and at this junction of Highway 395, near where icy air masses sliding off the peaks of the high Sierras might first touch down, it's 17 degrees. I get out to stretch my legs and wait for the sun to rise. I walk towards the first of two signs for Los Angeles and stop. I love signs because of the contrast between how directly their power functions and how considerable that power can be. Even the newest and the best road signs, after all, only ever stand for something and someplace else. And this purpose, already oblique, seems to grow even more beguilingly insubstantial as GPS-based navigation obviates the names and the arrows that so many signs still raise. 
Here, however, as close as I may have ever stood to such a large road sign, the detail of the object itself strikes me. I step back in search of a distance from which the two aspects might balance. How many ordinary signs for so many cities must there be in the world? Someone designed this sign. Someone cut it and painted it. Someone drove it here and stood in the salt grass to pound it into California. There are so many kinds of knowledge, so many kinds of work that fill so many different lives. And for once, I'm astonished, not by how easily the real world and its cities might apparently be perfected, but by the fact that anything practical ever gets built at all. Ahead of me, at the top of the T-junction, stands another sign, the one that indicates the miles to go to Los Angeles. The letters of the city's name fill much of the span. I half close my eyes and try to imagine what it might feel like to come across this sign on a winter morning as still as this one, to have been lost, and then to read the name of the city for the first time. I walk past the sign and look up, past the bare branches of the cottonwoods, into the nearest of the high Sierra's frozen naves. The silent miles between two speeding trucks pass like a light over where I'm standing, and for a moment the warmth of Los Angeles is as unimaginable as spring. Here, around 200 miles north of the cathedral named Our Lady of the Angels, whose consecrating cardinal spoke of our great city of many cities, and of families on the move, and truck drivers, and bells that the lonely might hear, I realize that I'm shivering, and that I haven't packed right. I might know better, I think, a traveler from New England should. I walk back to the car, start the engine, and turn up the heat and music. I roll to the line and turn left. Thank you. That's such a wonderful example of your writing and how you can bring almost poetry to standing in front of a sign. Signs actually come up as well in Invisible Cities by Italo Calvino, which is a book that has been a sort of a lighthouse for me. Even an ordinary road sign, when you stop and look at it, can be such a wonder. You know, you look at it and we think of signs as you know, as flat, but they're not flat when you go close to them. They're big hunks of metal. And, you know, I think like, who made this? And and, and what skills did they need in order to, to, to put these letters on it and just stick it into the ground? I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, and I think the world is full of things like that. And it's full of wonders and details that become wondrous when we think about the stories behind even the, the most ordinary road sign uh, for Los Angeles, uh, several hundred miles away from it. I remember doing a river trip down the McCullumy River with my husband and another couple. And the other couple, he was a sign maker. Oh, my God. Wow. And his job was to figure out the best words that could direct someone quickly and accurately. And I never thought about that before. And now every time I see a sign, I think, oh, was that a confusing sign or did that really help me out? Oh, wow. To think that's somebody's entire job, a career, and many people's probably, um, what a wonderful way of thinking about language and what signs mean and, and how we use words when we want to be as clear as possible, for example. And that's what you do in your writing. Your your writing really takes us beyond just a travelogue of a city, but it takes us into the poetry of the city, of the philosophy of the city, of the history of the city. So you just incorporate so much. I'm just so thankful for your writing, and I encourage you to just keep on writing so that we can enjoy your many travels. So thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today, Mark. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Justine. I hope to see you on board sometime. <laughs>
Oh, goody, I would love that. I've been speaking with Mark Van Honecker, and he's the author of Imagine a City, A Pilot's Journey Across the Urban World. And to find out more about his work, you can go to his website, markvanhoneker.com, and he spells his last name, V as in Victor, A-N-H-O-E-N-A-C-K-E-R, Van Honecker. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,700 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.